0: Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Matty A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. You had a little little throat jiggler. I I was watching Posty malone on uh saturday night live last week the last week's episode with uh marie and you know how he's got his little he does his little thing his little know.
1: vibration mm-hmm.
0: you know, i feel like that might be a
1: uh an his, editing his little voice box or uh, whatever but he's got that sounds good you know i like if it, ain't, Posty. it ain't broke don't fix it post a nice guy is I he i saw him oh yeah i saw him of like a A little vlog of him this other weekend. He went to this like underground store in New York. He's cool. There's like a military surplus store and because the owner of it, Chinese dude in his mid-60s, but he loves Post Malone. And he went there to go shop at the dude's store. Posty showed some love. Posty did. And he was like,
0: oh my gosh.
1: He kicked everybody out of the store. He's like, I'm so sorry, but he needs to come in. It was so it, it was like,
0: so, my bad. Y'all got. Go well, I mean, his
1: his store is like as wide as this. It's like, like a little bodega, and just, like straight back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so like it's everything everywhere.
0: Whoever the commercial store owner is of that building is gripping. He he's killing it because he probably just he's like I packed. He's like I got this you know rectangle box. I'm gonna turn it into fifty different slips that people can rent out. And He did. It's not that much, but he's making a grip on it. So yeah, no, Post Malone, legit. Yeah, we got some uh, some good quality time in this weekend with the the ladies. I'm heading to Texas today. We're I'm headed to Texas on Thursday. Texas has got the Cali boys coming in. I guarantee you,
1: I'm going to get my phone blown up. On Thursday now, because from all of our
0: people in Texas. Hey, heading sex, to that, Austin. Yeah, everybody- You're going to Austin. I'm going to San Antonio. We're meeting with our design and decor team
1: We're taking this month and our food
0: and beverage. Stay getting down. everything on the Artista. Ready to rock for a groundbreak later this year. So super excited about that project. And I'm in contract on my biggest project,
1: the biggest the, hotel. The, the, the one you told me about?
0: Yeah, I can't. I, I
1: don't wanna I
0: don't wanna jinx myself didn't and tell say me that. anything specific yeah. in case there's haters listening. Or here here's the thing. I mean, lesson number one is don't count your eggs until the chickens have hatched. And yeah, I've made that mistake before where you get in contract exactly. or you think you're gonna get a deal and you get so fired up and you start running wild and go down a million different rabbit holes in your mind of how cool this is gonna be when this happens da, 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 for it not to happen. Yeah. So Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it would be my biggest hotel purchase. Uh, It would definitely, it would double my key count. It's, this one is the, it's larger than all three of the hotels combined right now. Yeah. I remember you telling me it was, I was like, whoa. Yeah. So really excited about that. And the reason why I'm excited about that is, you know, of course, right. Grow or die. Key count is very, very important, but the amount of grow or die, that's the mentality. That's the mentality. I thought it was a happy Monday morning. No, we it's it's you better grow or you dying. Yeah? But no, I uh, I I just know how critical this acquisition is for our company because it will double our key count. It'll more than double our annual top line revenue, which allows us to build out a deeper bench, which brings more economies of scale, which enhances yeah. the brand. I mean, it just is. So I'm I'm. If anybody ever saw grinding on this one.
1: Yeah, I was just going to, you know, anybody ever saw uh, Old School RoboCop? Remember that one? No. Like
0: where the- I remember the the RoboCops, but I I don't- Dude, I- Well, let me remind you- I struggled to to remember what I had had for for breakfast Let me remind you that the, uh, that
1: I was, we followed, you know, DC. He posted something that was funny and I remembered the movie immediately. DC who? Drano. Oh, got it. And he posted something that I thought it was funny and it was like, you remember in RoboCop where the corporations- you know, tricked you into thinking that the real estate market wasn't good, drove the cost of money up and then went and bought up all the real estate market. And I'm like thinking, I'm like, hmm, wow, Blackstone is doing that right now. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, the thing that's funny is I, if you go pull all the like filing reports for some of these companies, like right now it's not, you know, Get off your pedestal if you think that corporations own the majority of America because they don't. Americans own the majority of America by a large, large swath. I think it's like ninety-seven percent to almost one uh, percent corporate owned. And then there's like
0: yeah, the there companies. was. It was funny that you say that because I want you to finish that thought. But there was data that came out recently because there was a bunch of people saying, "Oh, Blackstone and you know all these big funds are buying up all the real estate." And when like they like went, in, the it was two and a half percent. They own oh. two and a half percent of all. And this is just single-family homes. Okay, of all single-family homes in America. I think the one I saw was like all real estate as a whole. Corporations and hedge funds own two and a half percent. Damn. So that's not that much. It's not that much when you think about you know the other ninety seven and a half percent, right? That ultimately we but they're targeting to own uh to take a ten percent
1: plus market share by twenty thirty. Yeah. And that's only seven years away. So if you can imagine the amount of cash that has to be deployed and will be deployed to do that. And a lot of it's going to be leveraged. So they're going to pay... They're going to pay... The thing that a lot of people are are unaware of is that when money is expensive to us, it's not as expensive to institutions, no doubt. But it is more expensive to institutions than when it was less expensive to us. Mm -hmm. They're paying an increased cost on their money as well. But you have to look at where they deploy their money. And that's why... You know, following the hedge funds and the institutions, that's something we track. because Follow the breadcrumbs. Yeah, because we think we're really smart, but we're also not idiots. We know that economies of scale provide higher quality and quicker amounts of data, right? We follow Black Knight. Why do we follow Black Knight? They're huge. They Mm -hmm. have big swaths of data. So if I see a huge, huge, huge institution like Vanguard or Charles Schwab or... Something's jumping, jump in, starting to sniff around something that's specific. That's like, oh, okay, they've probably picked up on something. Maybe we need to start really, what could they be picking up on that we may not have picked up on yet or what can we get from them? And then that's why we track that stuff. And then we can look at what large traders are doing in comparison to small traders. And it gives us kind of a spread on what may be going on as well. So mm-hmm. if if institutions, it's almost like if it's good enough for them, it's got to be good enough
0: for us, right? Yeah. And we're going to be talking about some of that data and some of the trends that we're seeing here in real estate. We got an update for you on this eight-week losing streak in the market. And are we going to break that this week? We'll get Mr. Breedwell's thoughts on that. You know, before we dig in here today, we just want to give a big shout out to all of our uh, longtime listeners. And the last like couple months, we've seen a pretty big spike in... uh, Listener downloads. And Thank you
1: for loving Yeah,
0: it's, uh, it's really cool to see the the show continue to grow and increase, you know, after five and a half years of doing Millionaire Mindcast and it just honestly being, a, you know, a little passion project and, and side hobby um, to see, you know, what it's turned into and how many people it's touched, not just in the US, but all around the world. Uh, just big yeah. shout out to all our in- international listeners. Big shout out to, uh, of course... All of our Americans,
1: yeah, we and, got people from America, Canada, South America, UK, Japan. We had somebody from um, 80, India, eighty
0: plus countries. Yeah, so Yeah, it's
1: like it's pretty unreal. So yeah. uh, we 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 are humbled
0: and still hungry to give you guys wonderful content. Absolutely, I and mean that's why we you and I show up every, every Monday yeah, and every Monday we got our coffee and we bullshitting on whatever we're bullshitting on from the weekend and. We don't, we still do it the same on way, the data.
1: We literally don't, I mean, I'll send Matt a couple pieces of info throughout the week. He'll do the same thing, but we don't write anything so that we can try to make sure that it's just like if you were sitting in, sitting in here on, on Monday morning when we record this, you would hear the exact same show you're hearing on Wednesday when you turn on your podcast. We don't edit anything out. We, we do it straight and raw. That way you guys can understand what it would be like to be in a real conversation with us. We hope that's the feeling that you're getting.
0: Well, it was funny because we always like to dig into the data and then we try and, you know, kind of pull out what our predictions or thoughts are around the data. And, uh, you know, there were some reports obviously that come out each and every week, reports last week, reports coming up this week that obviously give us some level of a crystal ball or maybe a idea of where things are trending towards and there was one little thing, right? That it was like, it came in below and under. And at first you were like, oh man, that's bad. And you're like, what the fuck am I talking about? Like, we're not CNBC. We don't hang our hat on every little oh, piece of data. Like the world is crumbling or the world is amazing. Like we just try and be as unbiased as, 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 you know, logical and, you know, analyze and assess what's really going on and see how these things tie into your wealth building journey and how it can help you guys out so if you're new to the show, welcome in, uh, shoot us a text, say what up, 844-447-1555, throw in a question, whatever you want to sh- you know, share and uh, let us know. No pictures. Um, <laughs> no dick pics. <laughs> but uh, we definitely um, love connecting with all of our listeners. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you haven't uh, texted us for a free financial x-ray. Come on, guys. Take advantage of the free financial x-ray from Ryan and his team, which is... If you were to send me
1: a text to 844-447-1555 with the word x-ray, what we would do is... What will you get? My team would reach out to you, probably Phil. 100% it would be Phil. Philly, Phil Philly, Philly will reach out to you. He'll get you on the calendar. He'll gather all the information that we need. We're typically trying to reach and help people that already have established investment accounts. But that doesn't mean that if you don't have an established investment account, you can't send the word x-ray to 844-447-1555, we just won't have much to x-ray. So not that that doesn't work, just think about that and just understand that there's not much that we could do minus we would be happy to get you started on your investment journey. When we review people's plans, the main thing that we see is information that they were not either told or didn't know, and we garner that information by getting a third party to give us a report. That report is generally from like Morningstar, We'll do a quantitative analyst. We'll do a summary on everything. And then if you give us some metrics, we'll even do an apples to apples. If you kept doing what you were doing, this is what it would look like. And if you made some changes, this is what it's it really do. cool. And it's a really, nice, uh, it's a really nice proposal that you guys can decide on if that's something you want to take advantage of. And again, the, probably the biggest thing that we see is just the, the fees. Uh, most people just don't know what they're paying. And sometimes it can be quite a bit if it's layered. Sometimes we look at people's account and it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's probably the biggest thing that we see is, oh, I'm in XYZ. The funniest thing that I ever had was somebody on the show was like, I'm as aggressive as you can be. <laughs> they were like super and conservative. It was like 19% stock and like 20% cash and the rest in bonds. And I was like, this is like something I'd build for like... My grandpa. Or like a market kind of like we're in right now, like super choppy. That's a similar allocation that we're in actually right now. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, that's not aggressive. So you don't know what you don't know, but it's a free look under the hood. There's no cost. There's no obligation. Just got to spend your time and give us some information. And we would love to provide that at no cost
0: to our listeners. X-ray to 844-447-1555. So we've had hundreds of listeners take advantage of that over the last year. And we love... Identifying how we can continue to bring you know no strings attached value to our community. Um, anybody that's looking to get more opportunities for passive investments and syndication opportunities, you can always text the word deals to that same phone number to get on my um, accredited investor list. And speaking of you know what's going on in the markets right now, we've seen a pretty challenging oh lord yeah. Q two. It's not as bad, you know, again, eight-week losing streak, how does that make you feel? Because I know you ain't a loser. I guess, you know, people, I've
1: always said this, just so people know, and I've said a couple of times on the podcast, I am a, not a permable, but I'm not a bear. So I'm not really worried when markets go down. It's an opportunity. Are
0: we in a bear market right now? We I know we're, were teetering on we were, it. Or we, we
1: were on Friday for a little bit, and the, and and how do you guys classify when really we're in a, a definition? Market. I mean, yeah. most people's clear and concise definition is a twenty percent, a close in the market on a twenty percent off of the high, and we were below twenty percent off the high on last Friday's uh, open market. Uh, we had a recovery out of that. And as I sit here today and I speak to you, the market is up again. There, um, there's all these slang terminologies for things that could be going on. You know, you've heard of a bear trap or a bull trap or a dead cat bounce or a... blah. Yeah, exactly. Anything that can sound sexy, can look sexy, can be sexy. Now you have all your people on one side saying, <clears throat> this would be the biggest market crash ever. Then you have other people on the other side saying, oh, this could be the biggest opportunity ever. And nobody really knows. So we just have to go to the data and what probably would happen. And again, what I've been, we're all trying to be best guessers with educated, you know, education behind it, trying to make our best informed decision. 1996 was the last time that we saw a similar market set up to kind of what we're in right now. Mm. Um, I was definitely at, at the ripe young age of four years old, not managing any portfolios.
0: Uh, What does 1996 and 2022 have in common right now? The market is in a similar place as
1: far as it's not necessarily ultra unhealthy. We just have very highly overvalued or leveraged companies that don't have... We have PE multiples much higher than they should be Mm -hmm. with high inflation coming. So when you have companies that work in, at high PE ratios, price to earnings, or they're heavily leveraged, it becomes expensive for them to do business when they rely on leverage to do business. Leverage is is debt, they're borrowing money. That's the easiest way to think about it, either from individual investors, by issuing bonds, or from institutions. If cost of money goes up and wages are staying kind of the same, mm-hmm. um, that... that we, as the consumer, have to, have to absorb that. And those companies can't be as profitable. So then there has to be a shift in kind of where people are putting their money. That similar thing was happening in 1996 in different ways because technology was not what it was then. Yeah, right. Um, but what, what we can see in the last time that this really happened is we had a lot of very high interest rate hikes and the economy was reacting in a similar way, where it was choppy, but after and kind of before and every time there was an interest rate hike, the market kind of absorbed it better and better and better. And it, it slowly, they landed that plane softly, as you'd be hearing uh, lately, which is what people are at, wondering if the Fed can do. The engineer what's called a soft landing. Um, I am hopeful that they can. And so far, so good. They've raised interest rates twice. And the market has absorbed it phenomenally. And they're going to raise interest rates by another half a percent here, by my estimation, in June. And I don't think that that's a negative. It's for sure going to make the cost of money go up. But like money normally costs more than it has over the past 10 years. We, you started your career when money costs about where it's going back to now. Mm-hmm. And you've been kind of in a nice... Area as far as money's gotten cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, the real estate market's done a couple things, mm-hmm. um, but for the majority, it's gone up. Yep. The stock markets—I've been in the same boat. The stock market's done a couple things, but when the cost of money keeps going down and people can borrow money or use margin or use stimulus to put all of that cheap money to work, and it's not hard to cover a two percent spread on your money, right? Yeah, it's almost a no-brainer. But it starts to be a little bit of a head scratcher. Can I make seven percent? Can I make 9%? Can I cover my cost plus beat inflation plus beat taxes? That's a harder question to have as a retail investor. So back to what I was saying, I think the setup 1996 to now could be something. It's just, it's hard. We're in a, we're in a, the past is indicative of what may happen, but like to, to say that 1996 is, is the same market as 2020, the only thing that is the same is the S and P 500 has the same name. Yeah, there's different companies. There's different sentiment. Politically, especially right now, there's something you know way different than there was back in the 90s. Um, the culture the culture that we're in is is different. Yeah. nobody could invest on their phone yeah. back then. So there's all these metrics. That what we have to do as advisors and and
0: and, and you, analysts. How, yeah, I want to say how do they engineer all of that? Those just, new
1: variables
0: into the equation. You can't really engineer
1: them because again they're
0: systemic. So, it, so you really
1: it, just reflect on what yeah. those and, and data then, points tell you, and then try
0: to make the best decision moving forward. The and nice thing and is, is that the, quants. Like quantitative analysts. Yeah. Like the quants are the ones doing all that research and and assessment.
1: And we have three channels. We have fundamental, which is like when I'm talking to you guys on this podcast, that's the closest thing to like down to earth fundamental analysis. Let's talk about it. Does it make sense on my brain? Another way for our real estate investors to think about that, if they ever do debt equity financing, they do straight fundamental analysis. Does the deal make sense? And have you done other deals that work? Yeah, yeah, got it. Perfect. Second, is technical analysis, top up and bottom down. Let's, let's do graphs. Let's look at charts. Let's look at balance sheets. Then there's quantitative analy- uh, analysis. And it's like the charts and stuff and then algorithms and, and uh, imaginary numbers and stuff like that. You know, we all remember back in mm-hmm. uh, algebra and stuff that damn I like, why are we mm-hmm. using an imaginary number? You lost me there. <laughs> so that, that's where the, we get our algorithms that do predictive learning, our uh, artificial intelligence that has predictive learning built into it. That's what they're doing. But the stuff that they're trying to figure out is what should we buy given the, the, what has worked in the past and then what should work given the, the areas that we're in now. But it's always a best guess. Yeah. Um, So that's what we try to do. And the best part about it is 99% of everybody, including us, is always never 100% right. Mm -hmm. And then we learn from everybody else. Right. So we all just use each other. Somebody always is going to win because everybody's guessing. Um, But you just want consistently good guessers. And the thing that you want to do is, we all know that person that goes to the casino and somehow freaking wins all the time. You want that to be your finance firm. They really, that person has no idea what they're doing, but they're a really good guesser. And they somehow have figured out how to make those guesses well or good. Mm-hmm. I ain't no English person.
0: Probabilities, um, right? You're it's playing, probability. You're playing the game of probability. law of large numbers
1: is really what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We just crunch a ton of data, and eventually we can get some sort of substrate where we can make um an an educated guess on and majority of the time for an institutional investor because we do it the same way over and over and over and we learn we're more successful than a retail investor because retail investors always buy in and out of the market and that's what that's the biggest fallacy of retail investors is constantly going into cash and then trying to time the market and like today missing out on it one I know it sounds stupid but like if you miss out on one day or two days, it could change your investment trajectory for a long time. And the data shows the longer you keep your money in an investment and don't take it out, the less likely you are to take losses. It takes a five. Really, you start seeing that around the five-year period. Investments and, and those type of things should be, you know, long. Again, investing, not trading. Um, but that's that's the. Um, the fallacy, again, is most people try to time the market and they get super emotional. I've had a couple of people reach out, oh, can we just go to cash? No, I will never, I do not go to cash. I constantly stay fully invested and diversified somewhere so we can maintain yield, but never cash. Cash doesn't do anything.
0: Well, especially in this market. But
1: yeah, if you have cash, you should be take, it should be deployed into a deal. If you bought a piece of real estate, and that piece of real estate is still cash flowing. But its value goes down due to unforeseen circumstances. And there's nothing wrong with the property though. And it's still cash flowing and what you need it to cash flow at. In fact, you may be able to raise rent a little bit. Normally dividends go up a smidge when the market mm-hmm. goes down. Probably not something you would just panic and sell, would you, if it was a piece of real estate? No way. No. Like if you bought a bunch of rentals in 2007, you had good renters, they're still paying rent, keeping the place up. It's worthless, no doubt. You're not like, hell yeah, mm-hmm. my equity is cut down to a third mean, of what it is, but your cash flow is still there. Yeah. And the reason you would keep it up is because you continue to get that cash flow. And if they were quality assets, which they probably were, they would recover. That's why you wouldn't freak out.
0: Well, and at the same time, which you have said the equivalent of in the stock market as to real estate, which I think is a disconnect for a lot of retail investors is... That cash flow, even if you're breaking even, whether the value of your house goes down or not, you're hedging through that cash flow, that yield, right? Mm-hmm. More and more and more and more, you know, depletion of the value of your investment. Or the, de- the, the debt that
1: you would owe on that. And so your equity spread becomes more and more so. So you don't, and you're people absorption. don't factor that in, right? Because yeah, it's not
0: something they're touching right now.
1: Correct. And then the other thing that I think is funny and same with like an IRA or qualified account would be like a piece of real estate. You would buy it for long-term, right? Yep. And let's say you've had it for three or four years and then you have a downtrend in the real estate market or a downtrend in the stock market like we're in now. Like you're, you act like this one year is going to define your life. In my world, people can't touch their investment accounts until they're 59 and a half. And I'm sitting here with a, 31-year-old freaking out about a 20% loss in an account. And I'm just like, what are you going to do with it? I mean, why not keep it fully invested? Why don't you put more money in while it's down? People are, you know, like there's been a couple people. Oh, no, you know, I just, I don't, literally have said, I don't like to buy when the market's down. I like it to buy on the way up. What? You want to buy something as the price is rising? Even though you just... Even though you know it's going to rise in the future, you don't want to buy it while it's going down now. And the only thing that makes it hard for people is again the emotional attachment to their mm-hmm. money, right. because money does drive a lot of what we do. It it, it really absolutely, is the tool, but it's it's not. You shouldn't think about it that way because then you make foolish decisions. You make decisions that then
0: limit what that dollar can do for you. I was talking to somebody the other day. I call it swan money, which is sleep well at night money. It's that peace of mind money that, you know, at the end of the day, I think that everyone should have clarity on a certain amount of money that they know is going to sit in their account. It's going to be stale. It's not going to get them any return, but it's going to provide them with true peace of mind that they can sleep well at night. Whatever that is, if that's 12 months of like for, for me and Marie, it's 12 months of living expenses. That just sits in our savings. And at the end of the day, the investor in me goes, you're an idiot. You could be getting a return on this. This should be invested. But it's what we want our money to do for us, which provides a level of mental safety yep. and gives us the ability to just say, hey, if shit hits the fan, you know, we've got 12 months of time to figure this shit out. Once you get that in place, every dollar above and beyond that should be allocated somewhere that is getting you some level of return tied to your investing goals. And so if you don't have that number in your head, if it's six months, if it's 12 months, if it's two years, if it's two months, I don't really care. But it gives people like the amount of mental capacity and calories that are burned every day from people by riding the emotional roller coaster, instead of just following a fundamental plan of, hey, I'm good here. Okay, cool. I don't even have to worry about that anymore. So, any of this stuff above and beyond, I can go ahead and follow my fundamental plan mm-hmm. of how I treat and use my money to go and unlock more of what I ultimately am investing for in the first place, to unlock something for you. Yep. So if you don't have clarity on that, I would suggest getting clarity on what is your SWAN number? What's your sleep well at night number for money? Get clear on that, save it, and know that it's gonna be stale money, it's dead money, but it'll provide some level of freedom and security for you mentally to then allow that mental bandwidth to go and be allocated towards more abundant and lucrative and opportunistic things in terms of your investment plan that you can just go, okay, I don't have to worry about all these things. This is taken care of. I just need to execute on this plan. 100%, couldn't have said it any better. There's just no reason to stress about life. I mean, it's going to happen. But most people don't have that plan, right? They don't have clarity in that number. So they're always like playing, you know, money gymnastics and musical chairs and oh shit, like what if this happens and that's screwed? And then, oh my gosh, this whole domino effect. I always say people have a lot of investments, but no financial plan and it's mm. it's
1: a it's a good thing cuz you need investments to build a financial plan but but a lot of people do the first step and then they've kind of jumped into that cold water and they don't realize they got to break the waistline still it's mm-hmm. just toes in Ooh, it's that's the hard part but after that it's smooth sailing you got to you have to take your investments and convert them into a financial plan there's no Or else you're really like, you know, everybody's seen the cartoon where, you know, the mine shaft, where, you know, you're riding down the mine the dark mine shaft, you don't know where the rickety cart's going and it may go up, it may go down and maybe it ends good and most of the time it doesn't. That's how most people go through their retirement. People literally ride it blind because they're scared to know the truth. They ride it blind all the way into the end and they just take what they get. It's just, it's, you don't need to do that. It doesn't take a lot to have a wonderful retirement. It just takes a plan in order to get to where you wanna be because a lot of people don't know that if they just save a couple hundred dollars a month consistently and they just never stop, they can at least have a moderately good retirement. Mm -hmm. You were talking about in their 60s. If you you wanna do the typical retirement, work to your 60 to 65, you can make a nice income. Saving 500 to $750 a month. No doubt if you just do that and put that on autopilot. If you're more entrepreneurial like a lot of our listeners are, you're going to need to save a lot of your money right now. Money makes money. If you're an entrepreneur and you haven't connected that dot and you're making a lot of money, you're figure it out because you're going to hit a really big ceiling if you haven't figured that out yet. You're going to have to spend a lot of your money to make money. Um, so you're saying don't go put it all on Bitcoin right now? Uh, not right now, but you need to be i mean, like most of my entrepreneurial investors i mean they're doing thirty to seventy thousand dollars a year into multiple different accounts, mm-hmm. most of it being non qualified, so that when they want to retire and they're and they're doing real estate on the side, most of them they have boom, my real estate's done, and I've been showing away seventy five fifty thirty forty five sixty grand a year. For twenty years, mm-hmm. and now I'm fifty, and I don't—I'm not going to quote-unquote retire, but I'm going to maybe take a couple phone calls a week, and I'm just going to live off my residual income. Yeah. My my real estate now and my money is going to work for me. Um, and my typical client is like you and our setup: real estate, life insurance, non-qualified investments, small about small amount of in qualified investments. Yep. When you have those four things, I mean, it's really not the sexiest. I mean it doesn't sound as cool or whatever,
0: but damn, it works. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been doing this with you for years, years now. Yeah. And, you know, I just turned 34. My goal is to be very well, you know, established and set up by the time I'm fifty. I got another 16 years of being on autopilot of gone. Yep. I give him this much, I allocate this much over here, I, you know, speculate with this much. And that's I got my sleep well at night, money in the bank, and that's what I just literally—it's mindless for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I always, yeah. I think when what I said a couple weeks ago to people I was like, don't get so caught up in the get rich overnight. It's not that fun.
0: It's really, it's go it's, ask it's, somebody. It's, it's very emotionally it's, draining. Yeah. For, yeah. go ask you know, somebody. The hit. freedom of just being like, I just do, da, 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 and it's on autopilot. I don't have to worry about. Riding, like, it's so funny because everybody's been like, oh my gosh, riding crypto, it's this and that, and da da da. Oh my gosh, the market's doing this and that. And I'm like, people are so
1: focused on getting so rich overnight, they forget that half of the fun of of getting wealthy is the journey of getting there and Mm -hmm. having that story.
0: Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group, who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first five zero K.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join. And I can't wait to connect with you soon. It is cool when you do the right things yeah. over and over and over again, even though they're not as sexy, just having that discipline get rewarded at every milestone. When you look up in the rear view of and you're like, oh, damn, I didn't realize I covered that much ground. Like somebody asked me the other day, they're like, how much real estate do you own? And I started like adding up like how much I own. And I was like, quite a bit. I'm getting close to like, you know, $40 million worth of real estate assets. Like that's pretty cool. You it's know, like, and, and it's, you know, I haven't, I, and that's not including the syndication stuff. This is just assets I that I own yep. with like one partner or no partners. I don't have a big, you know, I, I don't include the, you know, because yeah, I own a bunch of slivers of GPS and things like that, but yeah. I'm not really including that because, like, you know, if I were to add Artista in there, that's a fifty million dollar building. and if I were to add, you know, yeah. the apartments in Houston, that'd it be would another be... twenty million. Like, but it's a the, good I sign really that don't. The AUM isn't in your bio. I, I, I don't really <laughs> own, yeah, I don't <laughs> own those. Right? Versus, you know, the uh, but but again, like, if you would ask me that question, you know nine or 10 years ago when I first got into real estate and I was buying, you know, little 50 and $80,000 houses in Sacramento, mind you, which is crazy to even think of something getting taken down under a hundred K in California. Yeah. I was buying stuff like that. And if you would ask me like, Hey, are you going to own $40 million worth of real? If I did, I'd be like, Oh baby, I made it. Like, Lord Jesus, let's go. And the ceiling keeps getting higher. But it, it does, right? It's that evolution of who you become in the process of just following fundamental disciplines that are tied to your goals. And as you start to evolve as an investor and as a person and your lifestyle and your goals, like, you know, that number doesn't really mean like, oh, 40 million bucks, I, I made it. No, it's like, to me, it's just like, cool, that's a great milestone. Like, that's amazing to see When you do consistent, unsexy things over an extended period of time and you look up and you own forty million dollars worth of real estate, that's pretty badass. Exactly. But I'm not gonna hang my hat there, I'm not gonna let my ego get in the way. I'm just gonna go, let me just keep doing more of those fundamental decisions and disciplines consistently for the next sixteen years and let's see what I look like when I'm fifty years old or when I'm forty years old and Who knows? Maybe I'll end up by the time I'm 50 or 55 going, dang, I own a billion dollars worth of real estate. Like, I don't know. But again, I'm not, I'm, I'm clear on where I'm going, but it doesn't have to be a specific milestone that validates who I am along the way.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's simply as long as you can wake up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror. Be comfortable around the people you do business with. That probably is a good sign that you're in in your trajectory and doing what you need to do. Just don't wake up every single day and that day be the defining moment of your life. And if you didn't hit your goals yesterday... You're gonna have a shitty day tomorrow. That's just not how it goes. Yeah, quite the opposite. Normally, if you're not hitting your goals, you're you're learning something at least, and then you can apply that to move forward. Totally, you can chip away at getting to where your goal is at. But to Matt's point, it's more fun going through it and and being able to tell people. Because I promise you, if you were in a room with real successful people and you just told them, "Oh, yeah, I just invested into X Y Z and I made a ton of money really short." Nobody's gonna care about you. They give, they'd give you
0: a thumbs up. Way yeah. where to go, bud?
1: They and may they'd... grab a drink with you, and they may shoot, you know, laugh with you, but you're not going to be in the conversations that you might think you should or, or want to be in because you haven't done anything to earn it. It's not. It's not as great getting rich overnight. You always hear celebrities or wealthy people talk about how lonely it is being wealthy. Imagine how lonely it would be being wealthy and then not being able to talk to anybody about anything. Yeah. <laughs> so just. Remember, the the journey is half the fun. The journey is really half the fun because then you get to learn and you meet people and you have experiences and you have all of that stuff that you miss out on trying to get rich quick.
0: Yeah, I, I think what you said too that stood out to me was like the journey is half the fun. I would say it's most of the fun. And on top of that, fun, in my opinion, can also be categorized as painful as Mm -hmm. well. Like if you want to go and do and experience and unlock things that most people who have earned it will never get to experience, it's because most people aren't really willing to put in the work to have those painful, you know, seasons of highs and lows because unlocking stuff that most people will never get to enjoy at the scale that, every single one of these listeners I know has a passion and a desire and a drive to enjoy, there is no doubt going to be a lot of pain. And, and that could be growing pains. That could be educational pains. Like there, it's not going to be fun all the time. But at what you unlock as you look back and reflect more on those pains, one, they're the greatest teachers and it kind of becomes fun because you see what can come out on the other side when you push through those challenging times. And to me, I'm a glutton for punishment. Even in the moments I'm like, God, this sucks, or I'm stressed out or I'm frustrated or why this or whatever it may be. When I look back on it, the pain is what makes the journey fun. Like if if you were just winning all the time, yeah, like but- that's cool, don't get me wrong. Like I fucking love winning, but it's always the pain that unlocks the new version of me the hardened up mindset, the, you know, the grit and the discipline and the, the rhythms and the habits and the ahas all come from ultimately the best ones for me have always come from when I'm like, I'm down. I, got, I just got smacked upside the head or I just took a fat one on the chin, but then I just get a little bit stronger. My chin gets a little bit stronger. My mindset gets a little bit stronger. My disciplines and habits get a little bit stronger and that's what makes it fun. Yeah, there's no winning without losing. I just don't think people ever think about
1: that. Like if you didn't have losses, there wouldn't be winning, and if you didn't have winning, there wouldn't be losing. It would just be doing something, yeah, and getting that outcome. Yeah. There's a there's a reason that you win because you set a goal and you attained it. There's reasons that you lost. You set a goal and you didn't attain it. Mhm. It's really that simple.
0: Yep. I love fucking winning. I do too. But I but I lose, but to I win. But I hate losing more. Yeah, And it's the losses that propel me to get back in the winning circle. Correct. Everybody that is successful that I've ever met is not bashful about
1: telling you how much they've lost because that's why they they are where they are because they took the big risks and they survived the loss. Yep. And they're there today to tell you about how not to do that now. And I mean, to some of the stuff that Woody would get into weeds with, you would really need somebody that has done it and uh, um, almost like when, in pro sports, how where you go from high school to college to semi-pro to pro, how that how that pool just gets smaller yep. and smaller, but the but the demand gets ever higher. It's the same thing, the same metric almost on the stuff you deal with when you run into a problem. And you're making ten million dollars a year, you're gonna have a lot bigger headache than somebody making ten, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm um in the sure example that i'm giving obviously so just you know keep in mind that it that the counsel that you surround yourself with you're going to be guilty by association to some degree make sure it's people that are actually doing stuff that have integrity that you know if they say that they are i'm going to tell you how to do real estate hey make sure they own some real estate ask them to show you some deals that they've done check out the people that they're pushing or rolling with. Do they do, are they, are they doing anything serious? Those are super great, you know, important things. And I said it, you know, last year, and I didn't know it was going to come this year, but there's a lot of real estate investors that are are going to fall off and it's because, you know, you've been doing it for 2 years and you weren't serious and you just wanted to make money. There's a lot of guys that sell um, investments and insurance. Um, I know one that you probably think I'm thinking of right now, mm-hmm. and that person has gone dead silent. Of course. So it's and that 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 person's pretty legit. Not a not a bad person. Just it's not hard to make money in my world when the stock market goes up, or in your world when interest rates are at two percent. Yep. This is when it. This is when the axe comes out and the wood gets chopped, and you're going to see a lot of fires burning but you're going to see the people like Matt and I throwing the wood into the fire. Still chopping, baby. Yeah, it's, it's the real deal people are going to be shown through times like this and I can already see the, the it's just so touching of the filter and the craziest thing is, I remember the one person we were talking about, you're like, no, man, I really feel like he's, he's not, I was like, he's not not doing bad things, but like, dude, he's like, how is it not hard to do what that person's doing in the short term? Yeah. And I ended up, you were right. I'm right about that one. Now, I did will say the past couple of weeks that the earnings were gonna boost the market better than they did, and I wasn't right about that. But I can
0: celebrate my victories just as I can celebrate my losses. These are the times when I think the mo the people who know they've done the work and have been through and and, you know, the the peaks and the valleys and they are willing to roll up their sleeves and they're willing to get in the trenches and they're willing to do the work over again and they're willing, whatever it takes type Mm -hmm. of mentality. These are the times that we're heading into where don't get me wrong, these are challenging times. But you like running a Spartan race is a challenging obstacle course. But the people who show up for that race, majority of them have shown up for that race because one, They're excited to go and tackle those obstacles. They've trained for those obstacles and they know what is on the other side of getting through that obstacle course and it's worth it to them. Most people aren't willing to show up to a Spartan race, let alone do the training that's necessary for it. And it's the same thing in the market. Most people want the medal, but they're not willing to do the training. They're not willing to put in the work and they're not willing to actually run the race full of obstacle courses that wants to kick your ass in order to get that medal. And so times like right now, I'm looking at a whole new Spartan race right in front of us going, this is gonna be a bitch. It's gonna be a beast, but I'm ready. Let's go.
1: Yep, it's uh, for long-term investors on both sides. um, I mean, even in real estate, the writing's on the wall for institutions picking up the those investments, and they're doing it for a reason. The writing is on the wall for what eventually what's going to happen in my my world, which what always happens. everybody's dollar cost averaging right now is eaten, and everybody who's putting money in the market right now in three, four, five years is going to look back and be like, "Wow!" Like, thank how you, Howard well for getting me. My account's averaging 40, 50, 60% annualized return. How am I beating the stuff? Because you, you invest in the stock market when it's down. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do. That's yeah. how you get rich. You invest in real estate when there's opportunity. We both say the same thing. Buy your deals on our neck of the woods. Buy quality when the market's down. and your neck of the woods, buy the deal at the market. Where it's at, at the time you buy it. Yeah. And make sure that it
0: cash flows. It's not as hard as people make it out to be. You just got to get out of your ears and, and put it to work. So what are we paying attention to this week? Reports coming out this Wednesday if we are looking at the list. Uh, FOMC We've, minutes are, are probably the biggest thing, thing for me. Yep. I mean, we got uh, the Fed Thursday National Activity Index. Nothing too crazy there. Tuesday, we got new home sales uh, coming out. Thursday's a pretty big day. Wednesday, we've got mortgage purchase applications index, durable goods orders, uh, federal open markets committee um, minutes coming out. Talk about those because Wednesday is a pretty big day. And then we got Thursday... Initial weekly unemployment claims, gross domestic yep. uh, GDP, yep. uh, pending home sales index, manufacturing yep. survey. Yep. So Wednesday, Thursday has have some pretty big reports coming out.
1: Wednesday, and this is my estimate because people are going to be listening to this on Wednesday, but I think that um, I think what's going to happen is that the FOMC is going to come out. They're going to reconfirm that they're going to do a rate hike to a degree that I believe will be about half a percent in June. Um, that half a percent is going to just be implemented at their next meeting. And my my guess is it's going to cause a little bit of volatility. Oh, for sure. Um, but when the rate hike happens, just like the last two, I would guess that it's probably going to pop the market up because both times that they've raised interest rates, the market's popped when they've actually done it. When they've talked about it, it causes volatility. And then eventually the market pops again. I think that that's probably what will happen in June is you'll see that exact same thing happen as the gets closer and closer and closer to watching the Fed land the plane softly. Um, I think that Jerome Powell can do it. I think people have lost some faith in the Fed because they weren't as honest as they might have sh- uh, or should have been last year. Um, Which, tough to blame them. But I, yeah, I just, I just know that I'm not, you know, in my past, I have also been dishonest at a point, not with my clients, but like and nobody is a 100% perfect and they were trying to essentially stave off a recession. So
0: There were some white lies being
1: told yeah, right, to the house. To keep the house a, a, a stand-in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that's what I would chalk it up to. What they're trying to do now is make it so that um, businesses can sustain through the higher inflation we're dealing with and so can consumers. Um, current administration is just not doing a good job um, implementing things. Yeah, I know. And I mean, everybody knows how I think, but like, If you can look in, if you're a Democrat and you can look in the mirror and tell yourself that you're super content with what's going on, you're just under the spell of whatever news channel or whoever you're listening Mm -hmm. to. Because like that would almost be like somebody that was like a staunch Republican telling you that Trump actually wasn't, it didn't run his mouth on Twitter. Yeah, it's just a blatant. It's, well, it's like saying 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4.
0: Yeah, it's like what's well, more so like saying 2 plus 2 like, equals fish. Like the yeah, like the data is and and policy and how things have been rolled out and it it's yeah. We'll we'll digress on that piece, but again, I think with where the market is at, where the Fed is going with mm-hmm. this, you know, they want to bleed off that balance sheet as fast as they possibly can. They need to raise interest rates to do that. They need to raise interest rates to do that. And there's this delicate balance, right, of keeping it's things like rolling in rope. the right direction. Because
1: if you fall either way, it's a recession. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, the falling off of the rope causes a recession. It's just how does the recession begin? Yep. Um, if they can navigate it, though, we have we've, we, nine months to 11 months in, we have a reversal in the market. We have a traditional recession which is what it is because we'd have more than two quarters. We're going to go into two quarters of not quality earnings. I don't know if it's negative GDP, but it's some sort of recession, Mm -hmm. mild or not. But then the recovery normally after that's pretty impressive. 20, 30 plus percent. And in a market environment, like we're in to see a rally, we may see 50 or 60% in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, obviously you're not going to recover anybody if you make you lose 50% and you make 70 you're not whole again yeah but you can recover a lot of that and if you have been that's why it's so important to buy when it's down because you average your account balance down so when you have that recovery you don't have to make so much to make your money back yeah um but i i'm i'm very very hopeful for the setup that we have it's looking pretty good and then to to even be fo- more forward thinking november could be a hinge because we have midterm elections and i think if can't remember if it's Senate or the house that's up for grabs but one of the two could flip and if it flips her to, to red I'm pretty sure it's Senate Senate I thought the Senate's already red though right now I think it's the house anyway what was the right to be wrong there don't follow us for politics <laughs> um one of them will flip and if we do that we have a majority we essentially have a president deadlocked with with a uh you know a, a house and a Senate that will not pass any of the stuff that he puts into, you know, Mm -hmm. effect. That's a pretty good thing. Another thing to keep an eye out for this week, two things. One, GameStop rolled out uh, crypto wallets as of like literally yesterday or this morning. So their Mm. stock should be surging today. And um, I'm forgetting what I was going to say on the second thing, but it's Two really important things. It was really nice weather (laughs) inside right now. I'm trying to think the second thing was kind of important, but the... GME and the GameStop, I'll think about it in a second. Think about it in a second.
0: So reporting-wise, definitely some interesting stuff that could give you guys a little bit of a crystal ball, which will kind of reflect back on that data next week. So be sure to tune in next week. Um, but as you know, we've been tracking week over week what's going on with a lot of the data. And as we see the Fed potentially raising rates again, like you said, that can be a great thing for the stock market maybe not so great for real estate, but also maybe not so bad for real estate at the same time, right? Because Correct. what we've seen in terms of growth has been really, in a lot of people's opinions, just unsustainable, right? Cause affordability index is at an all time low. So people are unable to buy and afford ultimately a, a lot of what is out there right now. So I think we're starting to hit this ceiling especially if they go and raise you know, interest rates another 50 BIPs in June, that's really gonna slow things down in the real estate market because we've already seen what the last 50 BIPs has now started to produce in terms of data as it trickles out into the market. Inventory is up 8.2% week over week. Here's a pretty interesting statistic. Since the seasonal low of inventory in March of 2022, this is only less than two months ago, guys, it is up almost 50%. So it's 43% up inventory in just two months from the seasonal low. Pretty wild. Now, May 13th, inventory is officially up year over year. So again, you have to take it in relativity of like, what is the overall data set that we're actually measuring this yeah. against? And inventory, the data set that we're measuring it against is a historically low data set. So... You know, as we start seeing some of these jumps in inventory, we're not talking about unhealthy. It's a crazy buyer's market. Sellers are, you know, effed type of inventory level. We're talking the inventory levels jump in a tiny bit. But on in terms of the data set, it seems like a lot more, but it's just because it was a much smaller data set to start with. So keep that in mind. Housing starts were down 2% in Q1. So... You know, seeing some of the builders maybe starting to slow a little bit. Obviously, I think a big chunk of that just has to do with one supply chain issues, cost to build, cost of labor, Mm -hmm. fuel, right? You got a lot of materials um, and goods that are tied to, you know, making the numbers work for builders. So Mm -hmm. that's, of course, going to slow things down a little bit. Mortgage apps this last week are down 11%. And... Rightfully so, right? Yeah. I was gonna say that that number. So
1: when we have data that comes out and it moves when it's supposed to, that's not like a bad thing. Like when cost of money goes up, people are going to lend less. Mm-hmm. Like no shit. Yeah, they're gonna tighten the belt. It's not that that so that doesn't really worry me that much. It would it would be more of an indicator if the mortgage applications were going up, because that would then tell us, wow. People do not care. They don't get it. Yeah. Or they, yeah. So that would be actually more negative. It actually is, at least people are understanding money because- Back in 2008. It's cause and effect, right? If if, if cause and effect do what cause and effect should do, we're all good. We're doing okay. Yeah. It's when, like in 2008, when a stripper has three houses. That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Yeah, right? That should be a big red flag. No doubt. None of that's happening right now.
0: And, you know, just to give you guys perspective on rates today for a 30-year fixed mortgage are 5.45% versus one year ago today, which was 3.14%. So as you can imagine, right, a down payment, 20% down payment on a house, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a big delta for some people. So you guys need to think about- that's not, And
1: that's like a 20% down, like an FHA has got to be 6.2. Yeah. That's not APR, that'd be your rate. You're probably ch- chilling around 6.5, 6.6 APR. With,
0: and then you're going to have PMI. So, if they raise rates again in June, right? Rates are definitely going to be up in that six range Buy multifamily housing and we'll have renters. and we're gonna be seeing the the real estate market continue to cool off a little bit. Um, so I think again, really, to me this year, I don't want to say like this year's a wash in my head because I'm still buying. I'm still, you know, again, following the long term fundamentals of my investment plan. However, I think this this will be a year we look back on in the charts and say this was the year the market shifted. This is the year that it you know started to settle and it kind of found a new threshold of I don't want to say bottoming out, but just you know cooling down a little bit. And based on what the Fed does throughout the remainder of the year, as they reset the rules of the board game, and we see some people fall off the board, and we see some new people right continue on and, and gain ground in the board. We're gonna have a better strategy for how we play our game, at yep. least my game of real estate investment going forward. And for many of you, I think it's a good time to again don't, don't don't just hit pause. Just be more discerning around what you're investing in, making sure the numbers work. Again, do I like seeing mortgage rates in the five and a half, six percent when I'm buying a you know $20 million asset? No, no, of course not. But again, based on the timeline and hold of this investment and the numbers still working, we know that most likely over the course of that investment, rates are going to drop. And I'm going to have the opportunity to one, go back and refinance to cheaper debt. And two, as long as I continue to operate very intelligently, whether that happens or not, the numbers still work today.
1: Yeah. Just bacon, run your number to the seven and a half percent interest rate. If it, if it, if it makes money, it's going to make money right now, it'll make money in the future. Plus don't buy variable, don't buy variable rate products, holy cow.
0: So SBA loans, you know, government-backed loans, any kind of fixed money you can get is always great from the perspective of you know what you're going to pay on that money for the entirety of the time that you hold that money. Yeah. versus hey, I know today it's this, but I'm not worried. at will figure it out when it resets in five years, right? Arms and variable rate mortgages, it crushed a lot of people. They're on the rise. And they're getting more popular again, for sure. So things to think about. But overall, I think if you're an investor, you're in the right conversations, you're continue- it's, a, it's a numbers game. Keep looking at more deals because you're going to start seeing more distress trickle out into these little pockets of product and I think there's going to be deals that can be had. You can find someone. There's, going, they're not going to be as, you know, abundant and plentiful right now as maybe they will be in 12 months, in my opinion. Yep. However, they're going to be out there, and you want to start digging the well before you want to scoop the water. So just getting into building relationships with the right brokers or getting your marketing and lead generation campaigns going, right doing the things that you know are at least going to have you. I always love the you know the the famous quote of the man in the arena, like get in the arena to give yourself the opportunity to win. Maybe you don't, but at least you're in the arena and there's going to be a lot of lessons and a lot of ax sharpening that has to happen while you're in that arena. That's going to set you up for some level of success in terms of investment going forward. So we got lots of data and information that we're going to continue to dig into for you guys week over week. We got some updates um, in terms of what will be going on in the market and real estate next week on uh, Wealth Building Wednesday. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to share it out with anybody that you think could get some value from it. Enjoy these conversations with us. Shoot us a text at 844-447-1555. Whether you want the free financial x-ray, text the word x-ray. Whether you're an accredited investor, you want to get on my deals list, you want to invest in uh, the Artista or any of my other opportunities that we have coming up, text that word deals uh, if you enjoy it please do leave us a five-star review in iTunes. It means the world to us. And with that being said, guys, we'll see you in next week's episode. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, You know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to to help you sharpen your axe, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial X ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word X ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844 1555 Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and You're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high-net-worth individuals. Be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate to hear what they're doing and to have a a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a Million and Beyond. Cheers, my friends.